1: Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: Are you ready, Joe? I'm oh, born ready, mate.
3: Hello, welcome back to another episode of Green and White watching you by Argyle Live live on Twitter or X or whatever. Um, Argyle welcomes Watford to a wet and windy West Country and both clubs whipped up their finest performance all year, taking it in turns to blow each other away with a downpour of goals in a whirlwind affair. Um, Those turning their freshly unwrapped official club calendars may have been shocked to see Stephen Schumacher grace the first page, but it was Finnazaz who stole the headlines with his show-stopping effort shortly after AFCON bound, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Edu Cayembe's opener. Morgan Whittaker and Ryan Hardy added to their already impressive returns. And while it seemed like another last gasp gasp, winner was in the offering, it was Ryan Edwards' goal, chipping 11-foot-nothing Connor Hazard inside the six-yard box that meant the points were shared. Um, As always with our lives, if there's anything you want to add uh, or want to request to speak, let us know and we'll try and get you on. I'm sure there's a a few in here that that would like to um, get their point across. But obviously joining me... To pick apart the chaos initially, as uh, Joe, Ben, and Nick. Um, Joe, as you're unmuted and you're ready to go, do you want to give us your your match run through?
2: <laughs> where where did you start? Um, it was um, obviously conditions weren't conducive to a um, what seemed to be a particularly exciting game of football. However, I think conditions more than played their part. Um, in quite possibly one of the best games I've seen for a number of years Um, I say seen I should disclaim I wasn't actually unable to get to the game I had settled for Argyle TV's excellent coverage of it Um, but I mean what an advert for the championship Um, you know two really good teams going forward flooded forward with pace with energy Um, ability helps both teams full of abundance of that and I mean, all pretense of defending was out the window, wasn't it? Um, you know, every time either team crossed the halfway line, they looked competitive, looked like they'd score. Um, I mean, if that get, I think I put in the group chat, Aaron, didn't I? I wouldn't be, at 2 2, I wouldn't have been surprised if that game had finished 6 5. Um, mm. Either way, and I think that's fair. What I will say is removing my green tinted glasses for a little bit. Um, although I do feel like over the 90 minutes we possibly edged it, um, certainly with the quality of chances we had, it it sort of would have felt like a a little injustice to the neutral um, had either team snatched a late winner just because of how entertaining the game was. Um, I mean, there were a couple of standout performances across the pitch. I thought um, in an Argyle shirt, I thought Adam Randall was outstanding. Um, The front three were brilliant. Um, you know, I mean, all of them could have had a brace or hat-trick of goals and, you know, I think we've got to give a special mention to uh, as you say, Kayambi for for Watford who who ran the show for them but also Ben Hamer who, who pulled off two or three unbelievable saves um, I mean, the, the couple at the end there, the one where he tips uh, is it Whittaker's shot that he tips over the bar? Um, he makes a couple low down to the um, to the far post at free kicks and set pieces. I mean, he he kept them in it. Um, but let's be fair. You know, Watford at times rode their luck. Hardy hit the post. They had to throw themselves in front of efforts at the end. But we equally rode our luck. Um, it was just one of those crazy, crazy afternoons that I would say, for most other clubs, doesn't seem to happen every week. However, at home park right now, it is happening every week. Um. And look, if we're gonna stay up with these entertaining games, you know, we can maybe use the summer to to solidify ourselves a little bit more. But what great entertainment for the sixteen and a half thousand that were in the stadium.
3: Yeah, go on. Ben Ben's joined us. Why don't you follow that up, Ben?
4: Yeah, it was a ridiculous game. Um, purely because I think the the quality of the goals was um, even if some of you know our, our defense and their defense was suspect, um, the quality of the finishing was was excellent, um, and the fact that both teams looked like scoring whenever they went forward at times, uh, and both defenses looked um, like they'd never played together at times, uh, made for a really entertaining game. Um, and it could have finished finished anything. Um, I think the pick of the goals, everyone would agree, was Vinaz's goal. Um, I don't want to get like, you know, I'm sure you've got a little segment for that. So I'm not going to eulogize about it too much now, but the fact that he's had to sort of punch it rather than cushion it, rather than just sort of guide it because of the conditions. If you, if you just meet that with a sweeping foot, it's like you just skid off your foot. So he's had to sort of punch it, which is such, you know, so difficult to get the direction and the power, the weight of that right dropping out of the sky. Um, It's just, absolutely ridiculous technique. Um, and, you know, it's a, another performance from him that's put him on the the map, the radar of the the general public. You know, people who sort of pay attention to the broader championship will have been looking at Azaz and he's sort of come up in... You know, different uh, podcasts and, and reviews and things of the of the season so far. If uh, you follow the league, but you know, even just guys who are following guys and girls following their own team have sort of seeing the highlights of Finnazar and asking their uh, respective boards to inquire. So um, that's uh, something of concern now that we're in the in the the transfer window, and hopefully there's um, details in the uh, contract. And the loan contract that was signed in the summer, which will be to our girls' benefit, um, but yeah, just just a ridiculous game. Um, you know, the, the back three you know, to be very um, to be very reductive is designed to provide you with more presence at the back at the expense of a man in the midfield. With your wing back sort of supplementing the midfield at times, and that just didn't seem to work. It hasn't seemed to work. Um, we seem to push high. Uh, press high at times and yet there seems to be no there seems to be a real reticence to push and press in the midfield. Um I thought for the
2: first and second goals that are goal conceded. To be to be fair Ben, uh, to be fair it's very difficult to push and pressure in the midfield when you essentially play without one. Like we did at times <laughs> <Yeah>. yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the, you know, the 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 idea of having
4: the back 3 is to prevent the that when when the full when the wing backs uh invert and o- or overlap. Um it it you cover the spaces that if you had a four and it was full backs going forward, um, that you leave him behind. And yet somehow um we need, there seemed to be that like you, you suggested, Joe, there seem to be like a disconnect between the what was happening at the top of the pitch, what was happening at the back. And I can understand that it's a different formation that, that is being, you know, um, although it's been looked at and, and probably tweaked um during the season, we certainly've used it at times in game. Um, it, you know four games in the space of what was it 10 11 days um no manager Jusnip's also off doing a lot of admin um for the for the transfers for the the obviously most importantly for the managerial appointment recruitment um search so you know it, it might well be that it's difficult to um to sort of really hone that but at the same time you know that you can you can go into the, the nitty-gritty but it's quite obvious there's there's issues there um i thought that you know, on, on first viewing, I thought that Houghton was a little bit slow in both of those. He didn't go to the man in the box. It looked like it was his man. Um, f- he was free to put the first goal in, and it looked like he sort of—I wasn't sure if he, he'd passed on the man and not let Pleguezuelo know, or if Pleguezuelo then sort of like decided to, as he sometimes do, make a rash decision and sort of decided to uh, to, to leap out of his position to to, to make an interception and then left. Uh, the gap for the ball be played into um, but I thought Housen wasn't particularly brilliant and then like in the post-match Jusnip said that he was still feeling the effects of his illness and then that kind of explains it it makes sense you know if you're not if you're not 100% it's difficult to you know keep up with in this league with guys who are at 100% um, so I could you know it's one of those things again where we say we sometimes make mistakes and we get punished for it the, the third goal I feel it was very reminiscent of was it the first Millwall goal where well, Hazard just didn't sort of decide what he was going to do. He sort of half came, didn't come and was caught in no man's land. And he actually had a a better game yesterday, I thought, than he has for a few games after, you know, defending him when he was um, in towards the end of his run before Cooper came back. I thought he was doing quite well. It's his form and sort of confidence since he's come back in has been quite uh, worrisome uh, to me anyway. Um, But that was probably his best game since he's been back in, but still, a few um, nerves and a, and a, and a slow, uh, pensive and build up at times. So it seems like he he improved a little bit, but yeah, I think he could have done a little bit better with a third goal. And it's a shame because goalkeepers' errors get highlighted. Um, you know, or, or punished. You know, if a striker misses a, a clear shot, it's not necessarily as glaring or as um, a, 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 as obviously punished as when a goalkeeper sort of makes a mistake. So I thought he was a little bit unfortunate to to have that one punished, but. It certainly wasn't a flawless game, I don't think, from anyone in the back, uh, sort of back six uh, positions. Other, uh, I thought Randall was absolutely fantastic. My, I thought last thing I'll say, I thought that Randall was the my man of the match, despite you know, obviously you need the guys to put the ball in the net, um, and yeah, Randall's capable of that. But you know, we're talking about Finnazzi and, and Morgan Whitaker being those star men. Um, Randall was everywhere he was breaking things up and and more than anything he was making the right decision at the right time um uh, time and time again um and I thought he was he was brilliant and and when you know I thought him and when I thought Kando needs to come on for Houghton here because those two will make an absolutely fantastic double pivot um and thankfully that was the sub that was made and it did have an effect. But you know, there were other subs being made by the opposition, etc. But that's that was really promising. And I think that if if the new manager comes in and does decide to use a double pivot, I think that um Randall and Houghton and also Cundall potentially, now that he's uh, sort of grown a bit physically into the league and the demands of the league there's three options there that would work would work really well but whether whether the the back 3 or the a back 4 is going to be the way forward it doesn't really matter there's there's just some massive uh problems there that uh, that are evident in both systems uh and that's probably um going to have to be the, the the main consideration in the transfer window you you'd think from a you know from a layman's
2: perspective Football's a game of opinions, and I accept that. I struggle personally to criticise, um, or I'd find it difficult to criticise Hazard for the the third goal. Um, I accept that, obviously, on Friday night against Southampton, there was the one where you know he in, he could have perhaps been a little bit lighter on his feet when um, um, Che Adams, isn't it, is th- is is played through? But I think this one like there was such a degree of quality about all six goals in this game like the ball over the top for adams whether or not it was intended for adams or not or andrews sorry not adams um whether or not it was intended for andrews is is irrelevant it was just such a high quality ball that was played through to him i'm not sure has i'm not sure really we could have expect i know people will say well he's a goalkeeper his frame he could be he could do this he could do that i just think it's a little bit Tricky to criticise him for it, just because the quality of the ball and the finish from um, from Andrews is such a deft little touch there to flick it round him. Um, I'd personally just appreciate the quality of the ball and the finish rather than than saying that Hazard could have done better. Personally, it it was a wonderful finish, but he comes and then stops. You either got to keep coming and make the challenge.
4: <clears throat> you either go up for the ball, and if you clatter the man, you clatter the man, or you. Backpedal, or you just decide to stay, and then rush in once he's got the ball down. But by staying where he was, he he, locked, he put himself in no man's land. That's the the problem with that. I can understand why he's coming and thought, oh no, that's a better ball than I thought it was going to be. But then he has to make the has to has the quickness, has to have the quickness of thought rather to either backpedal or think, well, I've committed now. I've got to come and challenge for it because by by doing what he did, which was freezing, I think he's given you know Andrew's the option to do what. He he did he had which is a hard thing to do, but you know that that's easier than sort of going up to trying to take it out of the air against seven foot sixty three Connor Hazard. You know if if he just sort of well I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to back my decision. It's that indecision I think that it's the same with that Millwall goal. You know both the central defenders when he sort of came and then stopped and the sort of the two central defenders looked at him as if to say well, we'll either come or don't. You know we can't interfere if we're leaving him to you. Um, I think it was a little bit of that from, was it Gibson? Um, yesterday, um, I think it was a kind of like, well, do I do I clear him out here? Do I challenge for this? Or are you going to come and um, and take him? And it just sort of puts indecision in the mind of the defence. I don't think it's necessarily a clear and obvious error. It's the it's the, it's the bigger picture of of his decision making there.
3: Yeah. Okay. I've been. Um... Pretty preoccupied today, so I'm gonna. Uh, we'll move on to the, the the questions that I have prepared in a bit. Before we do that, I'll give I'll give Nick a chance to speak over over you both. Um, what what did you make of?
5: Uh, I was going to say Saturday, but it isn't, is it it's a Monday? Yeah, I mean, there's not there's not pretty much else I can sum it up really. I mean, I think Ben and Joe have covered all the points that I would have spoke about, and I couldn't agree more with both of them. To be honest, I think, like I said, the two brilliant teams in attack and it just seemed like both teams struggled with the defensive side of the game on on Saturday whether that's purely down to the conditions because let's have it the conditions were pretty terrible and pretty shocking. Um, whether that, that's played a massive part in, in the defend, defensive side of the game, I don't know. But it just seemed that neither team could defend. Um, and like you say, six quality, quality goals. I think the, the uh, Watford second, I said the Davenport end, so the Watford second, I was right behind. And as soon as it left his foot, you could tell it was in. It was just one of those strikes. It was bending away from the keeper right to the top top corner. It was, there was nothing Hazard could do. Um, and to be honest, I don't think hazard was at fault for you could criticize hazard for any of the goals on saturday some people around were were questioning it but i, I can't see it to be honest i think he's done as best he can he's been probably let down by his defenders on the first one there's just nobody's moved it seemed to be too static um and like you say the the third one was just a it's a, it's a wonderful finish um possibly like ben says he could have come if he's come and stopped possibly come and take the lot. If not, you know, it's one of those really. But, um, yeah, it's a an entertaining game and uh, there's never a boring, boring match at home park at the moment.
3: Now obviously back to back uh three-all draws. I'm sure we'll get on to uh, that in a minute. Obviously, as always, we did the full-time thoughts tweet and, and I'm gonna speak for a few people that are listening live. Um Paul Burke said crazy game, it was the first one. I noticed that we don't have a manager. It seemed obvious that we didn't have enough numbers in midfield every time they went forward, but we didn't change shape at all. Instead, it had uh instead had four like for like subs. Great going forward. Um, Hardy being back is massive. Uh, Lewin Reed again, listening. Um, a point is probably a fair result, but their keeper had a worldy second half. Could have, should have got a winner in the last 10. That would have been more fitting of a home park this season. Um, Tom Harris, uh, fantastic game. Looks so fluid going forward in the first half. I think playing so many games in a short space of time with our smallest squad came into effect towards the end. I'm sure we'll get on to... Uh, transfer window shenanigans in a bit. Um, once again, sloppy defending has let us down. Can't be scoring three at home and only taking a point. Um, who else? Um, Memories of Argos says we look so dangerous going forward, but Watford had such so much space and another goal conceding to a to a deep run that wasn't tracked. Frustrating, very entertaining, but if we could defend, it, we would be laughing. Um, and then last one. Let's pick out. Carl uh, Gatfield says. Attacking-wise, we're incredible defensively diabolical. Um, I suppose that could be for either us or Watford, to be honest. Screaming for experience and championship defenders and a midfielder that can break up play and retain the ball in close pockets of space. Next manager has a right job on his hands. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to that. And then, okay, final one. Uh, Ryan says, delicious. Um, Not wrong. Obviously, nine... Nine goals scored in Nanskaville and Juicenip's interim reign, which looks likely to be over in the coming days. We'll get onto the manager in a bit, but obviously Finazaz as with a pick of those nine. Um, Who should go to here, Joe? Go on. Um, huh. Just, just how outrageous is that technique? As a, as a man, I've seen you do that uh, time and time again By the side. But just, yeah. just how outrageous is the technique on that finish?
2: Well, I mean, we can all do it. Um, there's nothing, nothing to. No, look. All joking aside, it's 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 the sort of thing that if a Harland or a Salah or one of those big names in the Premier League did, you'd you'd be seeing it every minute of every day on Sky Sports News. Um, it's just an the the level of ability, the level of control that you need to have to perf- to execute that skill is off the charts and the way he keeps it down he he paces it brilliantly Hamer had no chance um I mean that is that just screams of a player who is full of confidence at the moment and I mean it's just an unbelievable goal I was on my feet immediately in in the shop where I work watching the game um because I, I couldn't believe it i you know, can we can we class that as scoring from a corner? Um, you know, I'm not sure we can claim it as part of the routine because I know Watford won the first contact, but it's just an unbelievable goal that, you know, I hope at some point gets some form of recognition, whether it's even just goal of the month or, you know, whether it makes the shortlist for goal of the season because the, the sheer level of difficulty involved in executing that is high. Um and it set us on our way, you know, and, and that goal was coming. There was a, obviously, you know, the start of the game was a little bit cagey and then Watford got their goal, um, which was well worked from the throw-in, although I do think we could have perhaps been a little bit tighter to the man, to kiyambi running in. But um, the fight, three or four minutes before the goal, we we were starting to, to really grow into the game and we'd cut out a couple of half chances. And, um, you know, obviously, Hardy, had, I think Hardy had already hit the post by then and um, you know that that really set us on our way, and as I've testified so many times on the podcast, Aaron, in the last eighteen months, that that when we get one goal at home park, the the, the winds change, the sails are up, and you know as as it, you know Ipswich found Sheffield Wednesday, etc., Derby last season, that and even Exeter, you know, you you can't stop it. You when when our goal are in full flow, um, particularly at home park, it it's a very it's a very difficult thing to stop when we get going forward. And by God, didn't we play some lovely stuff going forward yesterday? Yeah, on that,
3: Ben, Joe obviously mentions the uh, goal of the season competition. How highly is that strike ranking?
4: It's got to be up there. Um, it's a different, you know, the thing about football is there's all kinds of different goals. That's the beauty of the game. You can score in all kinds of different ways and everybody has a favourite. You know, I think we all a, a one that starts bending. Miles outside the post and hits the top corner or the bottom corner. We all love. My favourite one, is one Matt Butchers at um, Cardiff. Okay, fair enough. I was I was, was going to say a, a, a crossbar pinger. We all love a, a cross crossbar pinger. Um, we all love you know. Diff, all of us have different. You know, some people can't stand headed goals. Other people love a you know a banging header. So, I think you know goals of the season are always subjective. But and I think as well, it depends whether you just consider the quality of the strike or if you're also considering the moment in the game and the uh, the jeopardy in the game etc and and the emotion of the situation or not but um yeah i mean in terms of just skill and ability that's probably the um the hardest uh, the, the hardest t- technique you know it it won't show up in xg numbers like you know Whittaker's did from miles out on the on the right against Sunderland but in terms of if you were actually trying to, to achieve that dropping out of the sky in the rain, sort of like how many times you're gonna get that in, in real world difficulty, that's probably the, the best, the highest quality goal that we've scored this season. And that's high praise indeed, because we haven't really scored other you know, maybe one duff goal all, all, all season, really. Um so yeah, you know, we we are spoiled. You get your money's worth at Argo. And it's it's funny that Argyle and, and Watford are the two teams that are outperforming their xG, the highest in the entire league. So you know they 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 don't do do anything but score screamers. Um, apparently. So, um, it seemed that the script was written before before kickoff. Um, but you know we're still leaning on that. I said after the the Ipswich game, you know we 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 can't sustain this level of accuracy. You know hitting the amount we're hitting the target the amount of uh, chances we're converting and the, the the quality of the finishing we're producing. And yet, <laughs> we still are. It's, it's, it's only dropped off very, very slightly. I did the maths earlier today. Um, we're, we're still the second highest um, shots. On, we're still the putting the the second most highest percentage of our shots on target in the league. We're just 0.1% behind Borough, uh, even though our overall t- total has, has dropped down. Um you know, yeah, so, I I,
3: rem- I remember you saying that that just wouldn't continue, and it is. Yeah,
4: and yet, and yet, you know, clearly it is. I mean, it is regressing slightly, but um, you know, the the, the the lads in the front, and uh, bearing in mind, this has okay. also included a period where where Hardy's been out and Bundu. You know, Bundu has been underrated. Um, his his shot accuracy is like eighty odd percent. It's ridiculous. With, with,
2: with opinions, so, with opinions like that on statistics about saying that thing. Argo with high statistics, not being able to sustain it over a course of a season. Ben, you could get yourself on, you know, like famous national wide podcasts with views like that. He's already he's up.
3: already on a famous national wide podcast.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> sorry. I do apologise.
4: I don't. I don't want to get any bigger than this, Joe. You know, uh, the, the bright the bright lights of green and white are more than more than enough for me. Um, you know, I, I, it. Is it sustainable for the rest of the season? Well, if they've done it for over half a season, potentially, you know, despite whatever laws of regression, you know, the law of averages suggests, um, it might just be that those players are that good and if they stay fit, they'll carry on. I think, you know, you might come onto it, Aaron. I'm sorry if I steal ahead, but the fact that um you know the impact Hardy's had has really demonstrated what we've been missing, you know, that the the intelligent runs, the the opening of space, the the decoys the the um, the ability just to, to to occupy the eye of defenders so that players like Morgan Whitaker or, or Finnazzi can drop the shoulder and and cut inside because they're making the little run and, and occupying the the minds of the defender, standing them still and making them make a decision has been you know has been really um, valuable and, and evident. Not to men- not to mention the fact these you know scored two and two, um, so the fact that they've been able to keep that up or just have a very small regression during uh, the period that you know, we've been missing um, our our first and second choice striker has been, has been really impressive. And, you know, maybe they just are that good, you know, and that this isn't, you know, it's, it's high levels for this league, but if you think they might be Premier League players, you know, um, or Premier League quality players, then they should be performing at that level consistently. So The question is, are they, or is it just they're, they're, they're in really hot, hot form and, and, being, their talents are being maximized in this system and in the relationships that they've built together, so you know we hope it's the former um and that they you know they keep going keep going all season but um we we still have the problem that we had back then, which is the front end is top class and and the back end just isn't. Doesn't seem to be working, and you know the idea of having three at the back. You know, our biggest problem seems to be we can't stop balls being through balls into the into the box, whether they're from angles or or through the middle. And and you know even though we had three central defenders and sort of Houghton and occasionally also Randall back there, just there always seem to be pockets of space, and that whether that's a personnel thing or a systemic thing, um, because it's been happening in, in a variety of different formations now over the over the course of the season. I'm not sure um and defending isn't my my the nuances of defending isn't my forte so I'm not going to have a strong opinion on the matter but I think it's probably a combination of both and hopefully that's um something that will be quizzed of 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 the new uh, of the candidates that are coming in uh, that that hopefully that will be a big part of the uh, selection process yeah you
3: talk about um premier league quality attacking players um, and I'm sure we'll get onto the other in your nose um, later on in the managerial chat, but um, obviously Morgan Whitaker adds another £500,000 onto his value of his 13th league goal of the season. Um, Nick, ha- just how much of a bargain a Luton Town getting for this, <laughs> this rumoured £4 million it's, move? What uh, a he's
5: He's got that ability in a game where he can be quiet for 20 minutes or so and then just... Appear from nowhere with you know a wonder strike or just a little bit of trickery, and he's in and in setting somebody else up. So, if, if, if four million is what they're getting, if, if they're only paying four million for him, then uh, they get, they're getting themselves a bargain, definitely.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm um, it's kind of hard to talk about Whitaker any more than we already have, and it's, it's just running out of superlatives, aren't we, Joe? Like, um, it's just a phenomenal phenomenal but like he's got, he's got to be worth in today's market he's got to be worth a good 20 odd mil surely like
2: no i'm not sure he is you know he's he's got a lot to learn he needs you know he needs to develop somewhere <laughs> at least another 18 months two years i you know i don't think we need to slap any price tags on him let's just you know let him play football um you know he still makes mistakes he still you know he still needs to learn um you know, I, I don't see why anyone would want to take the risk on him for another couple of years. To be honest, you know, just let him let him grow as a player down here. But if you want a serious answer, um, <laughs> then yeah, we're going to get a significant return on our investment, aren't we? Um, you know, I mean, you sort of look at. Uh, see, I'm not going to try and well, I am going to try and do it, but I don't want this to go, blow up into a big thing, but think back all those years to how Brighton started their level of success in the transfer window when Tony Bloom first went in there um, and took over the club, you know, they started by making these small little, you know, finding these little gems and selling them for big profit. And that helped sustain their push through the divisions. And, you know, I do have it in the back of my mind that perhaps maybe the sale of Whitaker, hopefully in 18 months time, two years, whatever it is, I think I'm probably blinkered to the fact that it may well be a sooner than that—not this month—but you know, there's every chance that teams will be coming in in January. It's not January, the summer. Crikey, um, how many have I had? Um, but you know, you'd like to think that that first sale, as it were, with Whitaker. I mean, we all assume that it might have been Cooper or even Randall. Um, you know, but but Whitaker. He's going to make us some serious money, isn't he? Um, he's not a commodity. You know, he is a, he is a person and he, he comes across as a really down-to-earth chap. And, you know, him and, and Rachel, his partner, have made it clear on a number of occasions how much they love Plymouth and how much they're happy here. So hopefully that will play a big part when these other clubs come sniffing. But, you know, what a what an unbelievably gifted player and we'll appreciate him even more when he's gone, probably. I know we appreciate him a lot now, um, but in such a short space of time, he's had such an impact on Plymouth Argyle Football Club that, you know, he he may only end up playing a 100 or so games for the club, but, you know, I mean, he'll be remembered as if he's played three, four times that because his contributions in our recent history are, are quite extraordinary.
3: Yeah, I noticed that um that Dane's requested to speak. There was something I was gonna to add to them, and then I completely forgot I got distracted. Um Dane, why don't you jump in actually and just um wait, how do I do that? Add you as a speaker, see what you got to say. If anybody else wants to um add their thoughts and, and, and feelings, either either add a message on the space or, or jump in. Obviously, you can you can now speak, Dane, if you want, mate. Unmute yourself. Hi guys. Hello, mate.
2: uh, um,
6: Just some thoughts on um, obviously the game yesterday or in general, really. I mean, it is really exciting um, at the moment with all the goals. I counted like 17 goals in the last eight games, I think it was, something like that, Um, or or something crazy. I think it was 14 goals, but they've let in 17 in the last eight, which to me, that is just not sustainable um, because my big concern is these lads up front, if it does dry up, we're in big trouble. Um, so it they they really they really need to sort out what's going on at the back, reduce it. You're not say you're not gonna turn around and say we're not letting a goal in again, obviously, but you've got to try and get some clean sheets here and there and um you've got and I just think the way they do that, the new manager, they have to be more aggressive. When I watch Argo, they always seem to be a little bit of a soft touch. they you know, the other team seemed to ride through two or three tackles, and yesterday they sat off Watford, the the one of, I think it was the equaliser, where they bent it into the far corner, they tip-tapped it around, and we didn't really engage, we sat back, and they were able to take, he was able to pick his spot, and I just think if Argyle were a little bit more aggressive, we had the centre midfield sat in next to the centre-halves, and, they need to be a little bit more aggressive and come out a little bit. After that second goal, I saw Duznit crying and, and waving them up the pitch a bit. And that, that was 100% right. We were saying it about four, for about five, ten minutes. They're too deep. They're sat back. And, and it, they need to be more aggressive in these challenges and off the ball. And it's um it concerns me. The amount of goals does concern me. Because, you know, I think a lot of the teams below Argo are going to spend in January and and they may improve um and they may spend more than we do. Um that doesn't mean to say their recruitment will be better
2: than ours, of course, but who Dane, just just jumping in, who who below Argyle do you think are gonna spend money? Just in, just out of curiosity? Um are Birmingham still below us? Birmingham are a point below us, yeah. I mean, they need yeah. to sort themselves out as a basket case that they are at the moment. Yeah, well, maybe, like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just looking below us. I mean, Rotherham aren't going to be able to break the bank. I'm not sure QPR H- are in a potentially Huddersfield.
4: Position. Have, Huddersfield has just been linked with bringing in a, a Chelsea youngster, etc. so I think you might well, we, see some clever business in the low yeah. markets from some of those clubs.
2: We, we certainly know that Sheffield Wednesday are a basket case, and he's not going to give... Danny Roller a, a war chest to go oh, to no. war with. God knows what Schumacher is going to have available. But to you know, my,
6: you know, you you get the gist of what I'm saying. I just, yeah, I, 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 I get, I get concerned with with the amount of goals because at the minute, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's brilliant. The attacking play is like nothing we've ever seen it at Argyle. You know, it's it's unbelievable. But the amount of goals is crazy that we're letting in, and and they're they're soft goals as well. They're, it's not like we're getting ripped apart by. Unbelievable play from the opposition. There goes that we could do something about all the time, you know. Like, I mean, I I heard you mention Hazard. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Hazard. I'll I'll nail my colours to the mast on that one. I've been, I've tweeted about it before. I, I think, I think he's um, quite a poor keeper actually. And I, I can't believe a guy six foot four, whatever he is, got lobbed in his six yard box yesterday. You know, and I, I personally think he should have been rushing out to that, um, or or at least making himself big enough to not allow that to happen. I'm not a goalkeeper, but but I was a defender and I and I know and I've managed teams that were, you know, and I've had to organise defenses and, and I know I just think I'd like to see them being a little bit more aggressive, a little bit further up the pitch at the minute. Um and I and I think that would resolve a lot of their problems because I did see a stat that they're the fifth highest goal scorers in the league. And the the four above them are the top four in the division. So it's 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 simple theory, really. If we can tighten up at the back, we all of a sudden become quite a good team. And um and that to me is the manager, the new manager's biggest job. Um and I think it's not it's not an um an unfixable problem. Um and and but he's got a the new manager has got a really good team there, he's just got that problem to deal with.
5: Dane, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, like I say, I was in the ground, I was speaking to guys around us, and we were saying that we don't have that mean, nasty streak in us. I don't think there's a player that we have that will put themselves about and you know wind wind a player up but you know get getting 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 a player's head i mean Ipswich have got that Sam morsey for example we were talking about and he does exactly that he's a bit of a nasty a bit of a nasty player who gets stuck in you know ch- chuck a challenge a, a little niggly challenge it's like maybe a little bit dirty but not enough to get a booking if you know what I mean that that sort of play we don't really have that in our team um and i think yeah. we could do with that because I think um... but
6: it's not even it's not even like we need that like i of course, it would be nice, but if you think back to the game yesterday, I think it was Miller. Miller put in a, a nice big challenge with about five minutes to go to win the ball back yeah. in the middle of the pitch. And that was the first big tackle of the game. Yeah. You know, and all I'm at, as a defender, you've got to have some aggression to you. I just, the amount of times I sit there and say, look how soft we are, because because other teams just roll over our tackles, they ride through two yeah. challenges, and it's, you know, just get tight and be aggressive. It's a contact sport still, you know. You know we can still be aggressive in our challenges and, and in our play. Um, you know we don't. You, I'm not necessarily calling for like a a, a killer in the midfield. You know, like like an old style Roy Keane or Vieira or anything, because you know that those days are gone. Or a Morsi, or even like you've just mentioned. I'm just saying, the players that we've got be a little bit more on the front foot, be a bit more aggressive, get tighter to your men, stop, be aggressive in stopping the crosses. You know, and all those basic things, all those basic, basic points of defending could just do with a bit of brushing up. And I, and I think that would resolve a lot of their problems in regards to goals against.
4: Yeah, I, I think you're right in terms of as a team, not just even the defensive um, sort of four or five or, or, or six, if you want to talk about being in a back five and having a defensive uh, midfielder. But like the amount of times when you you know screaming get out to the ball whether it's whether it's the ball's gone wide or you know it's, it's a one two through the middle of the park um then, you know the kind of and Jusnip said it in his um in his post match presser, that as a team not just the defenders but as a team we need to get a bit smarter and a bit more aware with our defending all over the pitch you know and there's that lack of kind of you know that immediacy that urgency to go and press a ball to go and you know to go and challenge, to go and jockey and make things, make life difficult for, you know, there's been a couple of games where, you know, we have managed it, whether that's, you know, by fluke or by design, where we've not given, you know, the opportunity, the the opponents might have had shots and and had opportunities, but every time they were under pressure, you know, it wasn't just free. But if you look at, if you look at the, you know, the sort of chances, you know, even the third goal, he's got a defender in attendance and the goalkeeper in front of him, but is he actually under pressure? Not, you know, really, other than... No, psychology. he's been able to lift his head and plop it into the box. Exactly. You know, that's the difference. It's, it's OK them being there, but are they actually putting weight on you? Are they putting you under... Other than psychologically, is there any pressure there? And I think that that does need to... then Like you say, I think there needs a bit of nastiness. I think, you know, the team has been drilled as a... We're a footballing team. We, we play a certain way. But, it like you say, it is a contact sport. And, and mm. I think there does need to be a little bit of a psychological... Um, maybe it's a belief that, you know, they can go out and do that. I don't know. But also, that
6: last point, because I'm going to get off and watch the end of the darts, right? But last point, when Miller done that tackle in that last five minutes, it not only lifts um, the players around him, but the whole place goes up. You know, the whole place goes up. Everyone loves a big booming challenge and a bit of aggression, and it raises the temperature in the stadium. And it, it has an effect on everyone around you because as soon as he does it, then someone else will go in and do it and someone else will go in and do it. And and it just needs a little bit more of that at the minute. And 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 that will, honestly, that will really solve a lot of their issues in regards to, to the conceding of the goals. But also, also, I do have to say at the minute, the ball retention is appalling. You know, the ball retention, everything's 100 miles per hour. There's no real control. You know, and and I know it's great, but sometimes when you attack the the Whitaker goal, where he um, hit it with his right foot, that was a lovely bit of controlled football from Finazzas across to Whitaker in. You know, lovely bit of controlled football. Um, but when they're when it's so frantic, there are periods in the game where they have to keep the ball. You know, there's there's a time and a place to be frantic and a million miles per hour catching teams on the break. Brilliant, but sometimes there has to be some control. And what you may find is when the new manager comes in and he will obviously want to tighten it up at the back, you may have to give something up at the other end, you know. So that's just something that everybody should really prepare for.
3: Yeah, I think also a lot of that depends on, on who we get in as well and, and, and how much
0: they want to. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with free from Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
3: Um, sort of, maybe not handicap, but change the way uh, we go about things. And, and if that um, readdresses the balance of, of that attacking. It's the tweak. Yeah, exactly. Um, a couple of things, obviously, uh, the, the crazy pilgrim listening in says, uh, we do seem to respect teams way too much in his opinion. He agrees. Um, and Christopher Vow says, uh, I'm not convinced that we're regularly letting in soft goals, but we do need someone in midfield to put their their foot on the ball when in possession. Um, yeah, I think I think um, unless anyone's got anything specific to add on that game. I mean, I've got a question about the the, the presser, Ben, to come come to you. Um, you
2: seem to be getting involved in that. So, unless, go go, Joe. Before we are we are we is this where we're finishing talking about the carnage of the three all? I mean, we've
3: done 43 minutes on it, if if there's anything else you want to add.
2: Yeah, I I do want to jump in, and this might surprise a few people. I want to do a little ref watch segment, Aaron.
3: Oh, yes. Forgot about that.
2: Sorry. Go on. Uh, I thought that that was by far the best refereeing performance I've seen all season. Um, I thought in really, really tricky conditions where any other referee could have been whistle happy, blowing up and booking players for all sorts. Um, I thought Bobby Madley showed a level of maturity and you could clearly see why all those years ago, before he went to Norway, um, that he was regarded as one of the best referees in the country and getting regular big games. Um, I thought he controlled it brilliantly. He was taking no nonsense, particularly at the end from Watford players when there was a bit of um aggro at some of the free kicks that he was giving. Um I thought it was it was comfortably the best game. The only the only point you could possibly say is that whether or not there was a um penalty at the end against Dan Scar on Healy, but I think he's probably just about got it right. I think Healy goes down a little bit softly. I can see um, obviously Scar's got his arm wrapped round him and it's on his shoulder, but um the handball in the first half is not handball where Livermore puts it out, it clearly hits his shoulder joint. Um and the second handball at the end, when Az fired went in, that's that's also off, off the chest of the Watford player. So I thought in short that Bobby Madley probably put in comfortably the best referee and performance I've seen all season. And there you go. Praise for a referee, who'd have thought it?
3: Um, Finn has joined us as a speaker. Um, is there anything you wanted to add on Watford, Finn?
7: Um, I just a couple of things. Um, I, I, I first of all agree with, the, with Ben and, and, and Dane's points on, especially getting out to players on the edge of the box, we need to be far smarter with that. I think we're electric going forward, um, but in particular... Uh, and I agree with uh, you know, and I, when we when we counter attack, wow, well, there's nobody in the league that can stop us. To be honest with you, I mean, we opened up Leicester uh, quite a few times. and probably should have scored one or two goals in that game. Um, so you know, I think we're we're some of the league's best at that. But I do think, yeah, our ball retention, like as Dane mentioned, is is, is, is atrocious. Um, so at points um and you know brace brace yourself everyone but i'm going to criticize morgan wake up here there's one thing he needs to get better at in his game it's being more smart with the ball particularly when he's got it in deeper areas because we all know he can like switch the ball at like 50 60 yards and put a terrific pass to open up a team but there's points where you just don't need to do that and quite often he will fire it at somebody when he can just play a simple role to- Ten yard pass and we get out of trouble a bit more. Um, I don't want to put that negative on a on a, on a on a on a on a really good performance, but I, I, I just do want to highlight that those are you know, those are areas that are quite fixable, um, and I hope that the new manager, whoever the new manager is, he comes in and and can do something about that.
3: Okay, well, that's that's rare, um, a rare uh, negative on, on, on Morgan Whitaker. I've,
2: um... I've got to be honest, there were several things I was expecting to come of this space tonight. I wasn't expecting anyone <laughs> to criticize like Morgan Whitaker. No, no, I, I don't know, it's not specifically him. I just I just think like, oh, I, we were... well, it was,
7: it was specifically him because you didn't
2: criticize <laughs> <say laughs> like Morgan Whitaker.
7: So, we're all sat here saying, oh, he might be going for four million, might be going for six million. You know, I'm I'm also saying you know he's still a young young player. He's still got things to improve on. He's not the finished article, and I think we need to be aware of that too.
3: Yeah, let's um, let's let's move this along then, um, Ben. You know, I'm going to come to you obviously post game. Uh, Neil Jucnik quipped in his presser comparing football footballing styles to a and I quote previous manager. Um, I think your best place to answer this is your as your mentions have been uh, infiltrated by. Um, Stoke fans. Uh, firstly, can you give us a little recap of the presser, um, and then secondly, does this prove to provide proof that the rumours of a falling out between Neil and Stephen are indeed true? I know that you've got um, a few
4: things to say on the matter. Oh. Uh, what- Genuinely wasn't expecting you to to bring it up. I just I love a bit of needle and a bit of banter, I, you know. As you went away, <laughs> I thought that I thought the Stansfield shirt was quite funny. I know that you know it is inciting uh, trouble, you know, to sort of do it that close to the the fans and and whatnot. But I kind of like that part of the game. I think the game is very sterile these days. And um, yeah, Jude Nip's little quip was that. Um, Someone asked him about the, you know, how exciting the game was, I believe, and he sort of said, you know, it's three three, and uh, there's a former manager who's uh, who suggests that my my style, my methodology, is quite boring, which is quite ironic given that his team um, sort of has just drawn nil nil, which is a reference to Stoke's very good, you know, result. It must be said he wasn't. I don't think he was making any comment on by, the by all, the quality, by, all the,
2: by all accounts they were unlucky. It was nil nil.
4: Yeah, you know, so I don't think he was making any comment, passing any judgment on the quality of uh, Stoke's performance. But I think he was. Um, it, it was clear that he was implying that Schumacher wasn't as enamoured with his advice and his uh, methodology as he perhaps had been at the beginning of his tenure when uh, when Jusnip was was mentoring him. Um, and it was just a passing dig. You know, he's done it to, to other people in the past. Joe, you found it, I think, quite humorous when he sort of had a a little mention about Ryan Lowe's. Um, form or well, the form of his team, and, and, and uh, <laughs> in, uh, yeah. in, in the uh, in, in, the, in
2: the, the fans forum when he mentioned forum, about yeah. how um, what was it? It was the amount of goals that Preston were conceding, exactly. Or something, yeah. Wasn't it? When when somebody asked him, should we tighten up at the back? And he said, Well, there is a team um, who's in and around the top six who have conceded ten more goals than us, or something at that point. But yeah, so. that's exactly right. And and I don't think
4: he's being. I don't think he's being like you know. Negative or bitter, I think he's just got that kind of dry sense of humour, that wicked sense of humour. I don't think he was necessarily digging Shoey out, and you know. And as to was there a falling out, I don't think it really matters. Um, you know, because you can fall out with people. How many people? How many times have you know? You can work at. You know, Anyway, if you if you ever got a sort of part time job at McDonald's or or, or or, you know, any kind of those sort of like student jobs, you don't get on with your managers all the time Well, you might fall out with people. It doesn't mean you then quit the job. You just learn to have a working relationship. So even if there was a disagreement, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, should we want it out because relationships are broken down irreparably? Um, and you know, in, in working relationships, is there, is anything ever a hundred percent one person's fault or another's not normally, there's normally probably a bit, you know, there's two sides to every story It says it doesn't really matter. I don't think, you know, we should be, be either too concerned about protecting anyone's sort of reputation or, or damaging it. You know, he made a joke. He obviously, obviously has some, some legs to it. And I, you know, we can speculate if we want to, that's not really my, uh, um you know my bag i just thought it was a funny little little dig um a funny little uh um, a little swipe, think, and, and very, very, it... very much in his in his sort of wheelhouse in terms of his sense of humor. And I think that some people have taken, you know, sort of clutching pearls and wringing hands unnecessarily. It wasn't a personal attack. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't beyond the pale. It wasn't a personal attack. It was just a, you know, a reference to to something that perhaps it has been. He knows has been discussed. He's a savvy guy. He knows it's been discussed on social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, he's just having a bit of a bit of a joke. There's a twinkle in his eye. It's not something that I think needs to be taken seriously and and doesn't really affect uh any sort of uh upcoming appointments or i don't think really had necessarily that big an impact on on the last on the, uh, on, think, on, the on the passing of the last manager go on Jake. i
2: think i think if you're taking what Jewsnip said seriously then you probably need to get some fresh air i think what's clear from it was that that is neil Jewsnip's sense of humor all over as Ben says, we've seen it at the fans forum. We've seen it in a number of his interviews before. I think that is just Neil Jewsnip's sense of humour. And look, it got a laugh in the room. It got chuckles from everyone on Argo TV. And that is solely how it was intended was that it was just, you know, you got to remember that Jewsnip's known Schumacher for 30 odd years, if not more, you know, he's known him since he was a, a wee lad. At, at, you know, he, he taught him at school as well, didn't he? At one point, yeah. I think. So, you know, he's known him a long time. They've they've clearly got a they clearly got a good relationship. You know, all these rumours about fallings out and things, no one will ever know. I I don't necessarily um believe that anything like that's happened. I just believe that Schumacher's has taken a, a what he perceives to be a better opportunity. And, you know, if there has been any tension between the two, that's between the two of them. It's not for us as supporters to to get involved or to add fuel to the fire if I there was. Agree, Joe. And I mean, it's a it's a it's a bloody funny quip that he's made in the media and, you know, Ben's Ben's put it out there on social media and it, it seems to have caught a few nibbles in, in Staffordshire. But um you know, I I just think overall that's just Neil Dewsnip's sense of humour and I, you know, as somebody who's got a dry sense of humour myself, I'm I'm all for it personally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
4: and and people will say, you know, oh yeah, but he's he's in his role representing the club when he says that. But you know, people are people beyond their position in the football oh, club. You know, he, he get...
2: we all get we all moan when people come out and follow scripts and things. Yeah, let exactly. People have, let people have jokes in the media if they want to. I'm sure Stephen didn't take offence to it for Christ's sake. He probably sent him a text message with a load of laughing emojis afterwards. So
4: yeah, uh, exactly. You know, it's sort of like we, if there's too much fake. You know, people will laugh laugh at some horrendous things or you know when sort of befits them or find certain things funny which really are beyond the pale and yet will be quick to to find problems with something it like joe says someone someone wants to have a laugh you know at no one's real expense he's not you know he's not he's not criticized or or made a he's just sort of saying you know i oh, don't play you know football too badly do i it's a you know it's it's an innocent joke which i just thought was funny because like joe says you know, i'm dry humored too i thought you know, great to see a bit of a character uh, in a presser. And, um, you know, obviously, yeah, I was aware it might get a few nibbles, but, um, you know, I don't think there's anything that people, some people seem to be intent on making mountains out of molehills uh, unnecessarily. I
5: completely agree with what both Joe and Ben have said. Like I say, I haven't been to some of the fans' forums and actually haven't been to some of the um, other club events that the club put on at the end of season awards, for example, last year. It, Neil has that very, very dry sense of humour where he'll, he'll crack a joke in anything, and I think it's it does pull back to that Liverpudlian sense of humour. I think, and he's got that running through him as well. And I I can almost guarantee there was no malice in that whatsoever. It was tongue in cheek, just a bit of you know a bit of banter, if anything, between his his uh, coaching style and what what Schumacher's had to say about his coaching style in the past. There's blatantly been something said in training, probably in jest, nothing serious, and that's where that comments come from. it's it's, it's a nothing really, isn't it?
3: Yeah, obviously, um, January the first rolls round and the transfer window has sprung open. A window spring, I suppose. So they do. Um, b- before we get the, um, before we hear about all the uh, the in the nose tweeting away. Um, <laughs> firstly, let's discuss the the rumoured outgoing with uh, Macaulay Gillespie uh, has moved to Charlton Athletic, looking um, likely after he was spotted at the Valley. Uh, I come back to Nick on this one.
5: Yeah, thought, thoughts on the move. Um, initial thoughts would be: I'd be surprised if we're letting a defender go to Chelten and sit there and watch a team play, considering that the window's not open yet and we've not made any signings at the back when clearly we're lacking at the back. Um, obviously, for example, at the start in the in the summer window, obviously we were trying to get a striker in, and it was. I think it's clear to everyone that for for some reason or other, deals had fallen through, and we were you know looking around the last minute for a for a striker so we know that can possibly happen so for me at the moment I can't see any traction in it until we've got bodies in the door because why would why why on earth would we send bodies out or you know send bodies out the door before getting bodies in when we're lacking in that area but plus also you're gonna have a new manager come in who might look at Maca and go, do you know what I like this kid let's give him a chance so unless
2: there is, there is the flip side to that, Nick. That we might, you know, every every pound helps in the transfer market, does. and it may be the case that to get one in, we might have to get one out. Sort
5: of course, does. But, but my, my understanding at the moment, though, Joe, is we're probably lacking. We're probably, we probably need two in before we can send one out. I get.
2: Well, so, certainly, if we're going to play three at the back, we're probably a wee bit short yeah. um, of a centre half. Because you got to remember, the I don't think I'm missing anybody out when I say that. We've if if Macca is to go to Charleston, we've got Gibbo, Scar, Pleggy and um, Brendan, yep. haven't we? No, we haven't. Right. We've got four, four, four defenders to play in three positions if we're going to play three at the back. And, you know, I I hate to bring it up every time we talk about Brendan on the pod. I was but just about to say the same his thing. Injury, his, in, his injury record is there for yes. all to see. agreed. But I, I, would, I would suggest that perhaps, I mean, I've I've always thought that you know the the transfer window, although it opens on January first. I mean, we saw last year we what was it five signings in the first six days of the month. So mm. those didn't happen immediately. Those had obviously been working well, in the background. I wouldn't be too surprised if if Macca is going out that somebody's coming in almost immediately.
5: Yeah, no, that's that's a fair comment. That's like I say, that's a fair comment. But I'd, I'd be surprised if we see traction on Macca before we have somebody in in the in the building ourselves.
4: That's probably a good yeah. shout, given the way the uh, striker situation worked out with presumptions at the uh, the end of the last window. It's probably a good shout that we might be either something might be in the works as far along as Maka's deal to Charlton yeah. is um, for for us. Um, but yeah, I, I think that given that last uh, window, I think would be the club would be silly, and probably it, you know you assume that the club is excellent at learning its lessons. The way it operates, it wouldn't put itself in that position again to be short-handed in a in a in a crucial Unless, position.
2: One thing you will say, if if Maka is going, I think it's pretty clear to everyone what our memory is always going to be of him, and that is that that one moment of of quality that gave us 41 minutes of sheer hysteria in in London isn't it surely i know yeah. we scored that header against bolton that was quite valuable that season <laughs> 100% <laughs> does it, um,
5: doesn't quite compare though
2: does it it probably to, um, doesn't compare as to taking a, the lead against the european champions funny you mention that mate
5: i um, i actually on the way up on the train on the tube on the way in uh, a couple of my mates i think actually one's listening to the to this now um we looked at the odds for defenders to score the first goal and The only defender I didn't put on was Maka. Um, And it was something stupid. The the odds were something ridiculous as well. It was like, I think it was like a thousand to one or something like that for a defend, for one of our defenders to score first, or something ridiculous like that. And uh, Maka was the only one I didn't put on. So yeah, I I will always remember that.
2: At this point, as with the live stream post Shuey's departure, it is sort of my, with my career experience, it is sort of the point now where I go, you know, if you are listening, please do gamble responsibly. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah there's a reason there's a match worn um Gillespie shirt in the in the house that i share with a uh, with a chelsea fan um <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah less well, said about that um <laughs> i see that um a v f c fa four in here they've, they've missed the, the the gushing um outpouring of love of Finnazaz. They'll have to go go back and listen to that when this goes live on all major podcast platforms um obviously we've already touched on on uh, needing some defenders in the window joe um obviously which positions do we do we need strengthened and, and are there any re, anyone
2: realistic that you've seen tipped that you'd like to see come in uh manager first team coach goalkeeping coach yeah yeah we'll get onto that we'll get onto that
3: <laughs> um or, or or does that does that affect the 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 transfers in, in Anyway, because obviously I think it, we're, it we are be, looking
2: more at a head coach, aren't we? So It seems that way. Jusnip constantly referred to head coach in his post-match press conference yesterday, um, which is an interesting take, given that I'm pretty sure Ryan and Shuey were both managers. Um, and Derek finished as, what, head of football or whatever it was he was. Um, so... There is that. And it will play a big part. Of course, it will. You know, the new manager will have his own ideas on things. Although we're going to stick to our identity, he'll want to tweak it as best he can to suit his philosophy as well. Um, you know, we, for example, he might have a totally different idea of what sort of striker we need to what we all believe we need. But overall, I think the shopping list has to be even if Macker isn't going out the door, we probably do need another centre half just because. Two of the five we've got do have a chequered injury past. And obviously, you know, there's the every likelihood of suspensions and things in the second half of the season. Um, We definitely need another striker, even if Ben Wayne isn't going to go out on loan, if that's a possibility this month. Um, We do need competition up there and i suppose you know i mean we're going to get saxon early back at some point hopefully fingers crossed i don't nobody seems to know what the time scale is on that i i'd imagine it's probably too soon to expect him to get some minutes on saturday i mean that would be the perfect game to get him game time if he is going to be anywhere near ready in time um he's going to be like a new signing we're pretty much covered then on both sides of that line of the defence. You could probably argue for maybe a combative midfielder. The, the likelihood is that Lewis Warrington will go back to Everton. Um, we've touched on that so many times on the pod. You know, it's, it's just a shame it's never worked for him for whatever reason. Um, you know, and people have to remember that there's a whole variety of reasons why these sorts of deals might not work out for each individual person. It, it's not... a a slight on Warrington as a player because we saw in a couple of glimpses, um, in particular the, the Leighton Orient Cup game, and even to a point, the Crystal Palace Cup game, you know, he was he was excellent. He, I mean, the Leighton Orient one was the one that stood out for me. Um, so there is definitely a player there, but for whatever reason, it's not worked out for him and he's now got this injury. Um, so we're definitely going to need um, another midfielder in that space. And of course, what we do have to remember is we do have at least one loan facility available to us. So you would imagine there's almost definitely going to be somebody coming in on loan. Um, But I mean, time will tell. I I don't think we're going to be rushing into any business mainly because we don't have a a, um, head coach at the moment. That will obviously play its big part, as I said. So um, unlike last January, I think we're just going to have to sit a bit tight. let Let the dust settle after this week. Um, you know we have got, obviously got a blank week before the big game against Huddersfield next weekend. So um, let the dust settle on this week, and then I think everyone's minds will be fully focused towards the back end of this week, start of next week. Yeah, I think that um,
4: Julesnip said the idea, the ideal is to get the manager in this week, and then go through the um, the 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 recruitment uh with them in place uh but i imagine that he you know he also said that getting the right appointment is necessary they're not just going to appoint someone for the sake of it so it might be that the recruitment goes on without them i i personally think getting a, a sort of dominant a big dominant you know someone like a sunny bradley um you know the, some somebody who you know can, can can sit in the middle of a three or you know to the to the right of Gibson, who will set the tone? You know, we talked earlier about having a nasty edge. Someone putting in that first tackle to, to get the get the emotions going and and to get the, the like,
2: like Ayala.
4: get the teeth bare. Well, it's funny. Um, if if we if we, someone mentioned uh, back along when I I said to uh, I was joking with um, some Villa fans on Twitter because they seem to be our sort of fairy godmother at the minute, and we got the AV. FC faithful in here. Um, and I so you don't happen to have a centre-back down the back of the sofa, do you? And someone said, you know, as a matter of fact, Courtney Hawes seems to have dropped off the face of the planet at the minute. Um, so if we could get Finn tied down on a permanent, um, you know, uh, he, he's probably on 40, 50 grand a, a week, Courtney Hawes. But that's exactly the sort of person. We need a ball-playing but but solid big man um, who can you can play in the style of this team? And yeah, he's on forty fifty grand, but if he's if he's if he's uh, not doing anything at the minute, I'm sure if we can sort of throw eight to ten grand a, a week at him, it saves a uh, saves ten grand out of uh, a week out of Villa's pocket. I, That's the sort I of think- person you could completely change the um, the tone of the of the team. Could you know as one, yeah, you know, we do need competition in the midfield. We do need competition up top. But if there's one player, if one sort of position that we could do with someone coming in who could completely change the the tone and the tenor. Of the way we play, a big a big unit with a, with you know, someone like Bradley who'll, who'll sort of stick his fingers in the ears of the uh, you know the, the silky midfielders, you know, give I the did. wet willies out to the Emre Chans of the of the league. That's the sort of player we need who could completely transform the the, um, the 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 mood and the style of the team. I think
2: I do hope Uncle Simon's not listening and genuinely thinking taking Ben's advice that we should go out and try and sign a fifty grand a week earning centre half.
4: Oh no, no! I mean, like, if that, we can get get, get, him on, to... get him on, get him on, <laughs> loan, and, 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 and sort of, you know, an offer the eight eight to ten grand off the top was my uh, was my suggestion. Yeah.
2: If, if what, Uncle what... If Uncle Simon is listening, I think Ben's offering to subsidise a, a level of Courtney Hawes' wages. I think that's what we're trying to get at.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, give, <laughs> I'll give I'll give
2: I'll give everything that I have surplus each month. How's that? That'll
4: be my contribution.
2: <laughs> it reminds me of Gavin and Stacey. A pound a week, Gwen.
4: Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what it would be.
2: <laughs> well, t- talking of uh, fifty grand
3: a week centre backs that could potentially be on their way to um, Plymouth Argyle, there's a list of names doing the rounds. Um, that uh, a little shortlist uh, on Twitter, but Chris Errington has popped up at the back post with a last minute equaliser to put the whole process in doubts. Um, um at miller underscore element tweeted uh, scott parker dick schruder john eustace john terry dean holden richie wellens nathan jones and paul heckingbottom are uh, uh, uh along the lines of interviews we're, we're going to take that with a huge pinch of salt um any of those there joe that would take your fancy and on the on the 50 grand a week centre-backs uh <laughs> is, is john terry coming in as a player manager?
2: You, 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 reeling off those names sounds like the start of a really bad dad joke. <laughs> John Eustace, Scott Parker, Dick Schroeder, and John Terry all walked into a bar. Um, I think, and, and Simon Hallett said no. Yeah, so Simon said you're barred. Um, look, the the big point is, and I've said this to a couple of people today. There's probably you could you could probably count on one hand how many people know who's on the short list. Um, this is something that is going to be kept under wraps as much as they possibly can and quite right too um, because you know Birmingham are looking Swansea are looking there's every likelihood a couple of other championship clubs are perhaps getting a little bit twitchy with how their seasons are going and may well be looking at who's available to change their fortunes and the one thing you don't want to do is names to creep out who are potentially appealing to other clubs and then you, you start a whole snowball effect so um, quite rightly, everything's under wraps. As you said, there have been shortlists banded around and, and names linked left, right, and centre. Um, you know, but as I say, there's probably only five or six people who truly know who's on that shortlist. And as I said earlier today, you've got to trust the process, trust the board. They've got it right the last twice. This regime with with Ryan Lowe and and Stephen Schumacher, they've brought in. You know, they've appointed two. Promotion winning managers, and one of them won a title as well um so I trust them immensely to get this decision right um as Neil Jusnip said, whether it takes twelve hours, twelve days, twelve weeks, however long it takes, him and Nance are ready to to lead the troops into their next battle and um so far, on what they've what they've done for us so far, I don't think anyone will be too disappointed in that because. The way I think we should it's important that we do touch on this the way that those who have come in Nance jewsnip and uh Reese Wilmot have helped lift the group galvanize them and and get them to get the level of performance they have out of them um you know we could very easily be sat here with um three wins and a draw or even four wins, let's be fair from those four games. Um, you know, there's there's every argument that we should certainly be at least unbeaten um, from those four games. So I think those three chaps in particular deserve immense credit for the job they've done. If they're going to be in charge for Saturday against Sutton, so be it. I think they'll have us perfectly motivated for the game. It's obviously a tricky one going up against a team in a lower division who are struggling themselves without a manager themselves. Um, you know, we all know the the complexities of going up against lower league sides in the cup. We've got the scars from 10 years ago about going up against lower ranked teams. So um, I don't see any complacency creeping in in that respect. So the process will take as long as it needs to. Um, my gut feeling is, is that if everything goes to plan, um, I presume that they'll want an announcement back end of the week, Thursday, maybe at the earliest Friday, Friday, um have the new man down at home park on on saturday and ready to go to work on monday um but as i say i'm merely speculating um nobody nobody knows what's going on um many people who claim to be in the know um and if they are in the know good luck to them if they're not and they're just claiming to be then fair play whatever floats your boat but um i trust simon and the board um it will be it will have been a thorough process and you've got to remember there's this 100 over 100 cvs to sift through as well you know that's a time-consuming thing and the important thing to remember is up until today neil juznip has been firmly focused on the training ground by days that they've been traveling or christmas day um so today is really the first day he's probably had Um, designated to the search of a manager along with with Andrew obviously Simon's in the country as well which is a massive boost to the to the search so um, we can only presume that interviews have taken place today yesterday whenever Um, might not even start till tomorrow who knows but um, whatever the outcome is they'll have my full support because um, I trust Simon and the board why? I mean, why wouldn't we? Every every decision they've made so far has been pretty spot on. So um, trust the process. It doesn't matter how long it takes because whoever they get in will have our full support, and I'm sure it will be the right decision.
3: Yeah, Ben. Um, Joe touches it on it, touched on it there. Obviously, Ryan Lowe took us up from League Two. Steven Schumacher obviously won League One. Who's your front runner to take us up to the Premier League?
4: my front run who do i think is likely or what would i look like to, well, would both. Like to see? why not answer both of them well i might as well throw darts um to guess who is <laughs> who is most likely because we don't know who, you know if i was to have a list of who'd applied then you know maybe i'd, I'd have a stab but um you know there is a, there people? is
3: a blog um a five part blog post on a a well known let's say well known <laughs> a known uh argyle uh, Fan site uh, listing a hundred different names, but whether it will be one of those is is yet to be seen. But
4: yeah, I helps. mean, there seems to be uh, you know weight behind the whole Dick Schroeder, um suggestion that you know he he's been bandied around as a um, sort of like a, a a low floor high ceiling candidate, um, and also appeared on these ITK lists. You know whether however much value. They have. Uh, that's the sort of signing I'd like us to go for. I mean, putting aside the wages um, that established championship managers command, um, you know, th- there's a lot of people asking for managers or, or, or getting behind the idea of managers who we see as, who are seen as established championship managers who do a job who who keep a team in the championship. But I think a lot of fans forget that we don't necessarily have a championship level squad in entirety you're asking you know the sort of people who, who who keep teams in in the championship are guys who take over teams that have championship level budgets championship level wage bills etc and they're not necessarily going to be able to replicate that um, with Argyle um so it's not the sure thing I think people are thinking it will be and the other thing about those managers as well um sort of you know, the established championship managers management names is That's their their ceiling. They've they've demonstrated their ceiling. If they were Premier League, if their ceiling was Premier League uh, level or or top top um, league level um, in you know Europe, then they'd be getting interviews for those jobs, not the the sort of safe hands jobs in the Championship. So, I think for Argonne, not only would it be you know the idea that that would be a safe pair of hands to tidy us over for you know the next sort of few years. Don't think that actually makes sense. You know, when you examine the logic of it. Um, and I think that, you know, our goal of demonstrate you know, Simon Hallett didn't make all his money by, you know, he, he made that sort of money in risk assessment and making calculated risks. Uh, and I think that his approach to football is much the same. He doesn't, he's never reckless, but I think he will potentially look at, um, candidates who are potentially low floor, maybe haven't necessarily proved anything in the, um, in the immediate, um, past, but. Um, have the all the qualities and the potential to have a very high ceiling and I think that um as Joe's alluded to sort of other clubs who have tried to follow similar method or, or have sort of blaze the trail the similar methodology to that which um Simon Hallett has expressed is behind his his five-year plan and his um uh, the, the the ethos of his of his um his his running of the of the club um very much seem to to sort of recruit in the same manner, which is to do a thorough job examining someone's personality and examining their credentials, um, and their 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 methodology in terms of their approach to the game, their approach to a club's uh, infrastructure, and and then appointing on that basis. So I think that the best bet for the club would be to find someone uh, in that mold and it won't always you know it is a risk of course you know to um to 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 take on someone who maybe hasn't managed in this country or hasn't managed at this level depending on where the the target's coming from maybe the lower leagues of the EFL or uh, other leagues abroad um but i think the club will probably be looking at at, at finding someone with a potentially high ceiling uh, much like they did with 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 Lowe and then uh, and Schumacher to uh, take someone who's who's got the potential rather than the the track record. I think that would be the smartest thing. Um, yeah, but again, like I say, I'm a layman. That's my my sort of view. But I think the idea of getting behind a uh, sort of some of the more established championship names isn't necessarily going to get the result that. That you know, the fans might be expecting from from those who who normally perform their their magic or their or get their results with a with a different kind of setup. Um, certainly, maybe uh, the, some of the older heads are used to having a bit more of a, a hand in in matters that the club are trying to keep. You know, a division of powers um, among the among the the infrastructure at the club. So, yeah, I think that that's you know, the club's very forward thinking, and that's that will be their approach again. You know, that, that that's purely my my observations of the the way they've operated up till now, uh, assuming they'll continue following that philosophy.
3: Yeah, Nick, I think um, Joe and Ben have been quite clever and articulate in um, basically just naming anyone. <laughs> uh, is there anyone that you see? As I a, didn't, as a, as a hang on, man, I didn't, I didn't like? name anyone. That's what I'm saying. You're quite clever in not naming anyone. Um, uh, Nick, is, is there anybody that you would like to see?
5: Personally, um, I'll stick my neck on the chopper. I don't mind. Um, personally, I I <laughs> would like to see Nathan Jones personally, because I think he's done it before with a club of a similar sort of size to us with a small budget. Um, so I, f- from my point of view, I think he could probably handle it quite well. Um, and I think he could do a decent job for us. Um I think I think it would be nice
3: to have a manager that we know that would be off the uh, the second he got a better opportunity too. Like there would be no uh, speculation. No, somebody would somebody would come in and we would. Yeah, it.
5: another another name that would chuck that, which I I think would fall into that same category, was obviously Scott Parker. And Scott Parker, I think, is a is a manager that's been out for out of work for a little while, I believe. Um, he's he went across over to. Over to the continent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he went across to Belgium and and struggled a little bit. And I think he needs to rebuild his career. So taking a club like Plymouth or Argyle, as as we all love to call it, um, going forward to rebuild his career as a stepping stone, I think would probably be a good opportunity for him. Um, But again, it's like 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 you said, like Joe said, I trust the club to make the right decision. I trust um, Simon. I trust Andrew. I trust Neil. They they will put the club's interest at heart and they will make the correct decision. I have no doubt about
4: that. Yeah, absolutely. If, if the club came out and said, you know, we've appointed the most bang average of bang average championship managers, I wouldn't assume that's a bad appointment. I'd assume they'd done their due diligence up. and there's a very good reason why they'd chosen that, that manager. To... And, you know, and I have every confidence that, you know, despite what it might appear from the outside that, you know that that there's a there's strategy and and good logic behind the the decision and that there's every reason for it to be a success I think no matter who the club appoints no matter what their past history is or past success doesn't have much bearing on how they will perform with Argo and I've got every confidence that whoever the club picks whether it's someone who you know I would never have chosen as a fan I've got every confidence that they've done it you know that that it will that has every opportunity to be exactly. a success, and that's sort so brilliant about being in this situation with the club being run so well at the minute is that you know we, we get told there's not money for transfers, no one panics and complains because they know the club's being run well. And People say you know the club says we're going to appoint whoever it is, we're not necessarily all going to weep and wail because we know the club does its job very. Uh, very that's, well. That's um, yeah, of course. Of course, they have, you'll always have the outliers who will, uh, will, you know, will, will cry about it. But um, I think that there's, you know, anybody that gets appointed will have been done so with a great, you know, judiciousness, if that's a word, um, and, and um, will have every opportunity. Of course. Speak. I mean,
5: you've, the, the other way you've got to look at it as well is who'd heard of Derek Adams before he came to Home Park? Who'd who heard of Paul Stoke before he came to Home Park? And not not many of these people were known before they came to Argo. The club had done their due, due diligence. Oh, it was a different a different regime at the time, but this club would still have done due diligence. They'd have done a lot of research into these, into these managers and brought them in and they've been successful. So with the current board and the current board of directors in, in, in management that we've got in place, I genuinely believe that we're in a very good situation where they will appoint the right person. I've got no doubt. Nick, yes,
2: you've just, you've just given off Sturrock and Adams and things. I think we've got a pretty obvious um, example of this regime Making a big decision, out of all of us, be honest, who would have given the job to Stephen no, Schumacher exactly, two years ago? Exactly
5: my point. Exactly my point And
2: and they got that spot on. Nobody can deny that they got it spot on. So I've i every faith. Let us just let it run its course. However long it takes, it takes, and um, agree. they'll have everyone's full support, whoever it is. Um, I, I like to say that like I'm sort of fully
7: supportive of whoever um, the board. Um is going to uh, go to a point like you know like we said they, they've earned the right to to be trusted and uh, as fans we should back them in that decision however um, and, and once again, I want to say all of these accounts that are claimed to be in the know have to be taken with a massive pinch of salt. However, if there is any truth to John Terry. Uh, I really wouldn't like to see that happen for a number of reasons and that is the one appointment that I would turn my nose up at. Um, but yeah, so I'd just like to say that.
3: Yeah, I think um, unless anybody else has got anything to add on tonight's space, I think it's uh, maybe run its course. Um, Joe, you normally have uh, a, a few things to add. Is there anything
2: you want to finish on? What are you trying to say? That I always want to get the last word in? <laughs> I've, I've nothing else to add, Aaron. You're the, you're the host. Oh, no, good then.
3: Uh, let's call that a night then. Um, if you missed any part of this, um, it will be live on your, all your major podcast platforms um, from when you wake up uh, early in the morning. Well, unless you wake up late in the morning, then it'll still be live. Uh, make sure you follow us on all, all social medias. I can't remember what they all are, but we're on most of them. Uh, go find us there. Um, and I think we'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.
1: let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 16-123. That's 16-123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.